0: Hello and welcome to the Future Work Life podcast. My name is Ollie Henderson and in a couple of weeks series 12 of this podcast will be kicking off. In the meantime after receiving some brilliant feedback from republishing the Daniel Pink episode in March over the next couple of weeks I'll be sharing 12 of my favorite episodes since I launched Future Work Life and today you'll hear my conversation with Maya Grossman from January 2023. So look, Maya, it's so nice to speak to you today. I've got loads of questions that I want to ask you, but I want to start with one of your routines. So every Sunday you do a personal one-to-one. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. So I shared that on uh, LinkedIn, and I think I called it "I have a date with myself" every Sunday, um, mm. and it's something I've been doing for years. It's part of my career growth routine. So. Essentially, it's 30 minutes on my calendar to plan the following week. So I go over my goals. It's a reminder of my why. What am I working towards? It's an opportunity for me to check progress. What was I able to do? Have I accomplished anything? Which requires me to stop for a minute and congratulate myself and celebrate even the smallest wins. And then I plan the week ahead. Because for me, if I don't put something on my calendar, it's never going to happen. So if I want to be intentional and work on a specific goal, I have to give it time and space on my calendar. Um, and that's what I do. I spend 30 minutes uh, working on myself and my career.
0: Nice. And, and you, do you specifically time box those moments that you want to fo- focus on certain goals through the week? Is that you will do that on a Sunday, kind of drop stuff into your calendar?
1: Yeah. So when I had a corporate job, I would definitely block time for my day-to-day work, but I would add time blocks, whether it's before the workday or sometimes after the workday, to work on my own specific goals. And a great example is at some point, I wanted to spend more time doing public speaking. And I was not great at it, but I knew I had to practice. So for me, I put time on my calendar to figure out how I can get more experience. I applied to different events. I came up with ideas of keynotes that I could make. And I actually reached out to people and pitched myself. But I would have never done that if I just went through my day-to-day. I mean, when you work a full-time job, especially like me, if you were in the startup world, it gets really, really busy. Yeah, And you usually put yourself last. Because you focus on what you need to get done, what you're supposed to do for your manager, for the company, and you kind of forget to invest in yourself. And that's why I actually, every single week, make sure that I make time for myself and for my personal growth.
0: Yeah, love that. And you said there that you think about your why, you know, what, why are you doing this? Are you heading towards still heading in the right direction? So, I mean, are you happy to share what your why is? Does it change? Or have you always had this goal, you know, this distant, you know, ambition for yourself? How does that, how's it evolved?
1: Yeah, so actually early in my career, I had no idea what I was doing. I just took the first job that came along and stuck with it uh, until I actually realized this is not what I want to do for the rest of my career. I had a bit of an epiphany. And that's when I started becoming a little bit more intentional with my career. I had a goal. I decided I want to pivot into marketing. I was actually a travel agent for the first seven years of my career, but I wanted to pivot into marketing and I had to figure out how to do that and I had to make a plan and I also had to get a really clear vision of what doing marketing actually means and that's how I I had the first opportunity to actually create a vision of what I want to do, what the future might look like. And after a couple of years in marketing, I started planning for the longer term. I actually had like a 10-year goal. I wanted to become the CMO of a Silicon Valley startup. Now, at the time, I was living on a different continent. I wasn't even an executive. I was so far from that dream that it looked impossible. To be honest, most people, when I shared that dream, they laughed. (laughs) They actually thought I was joking, but I was very, very serious. And for almost seven years, I worked on achieving that dream and was actually able to make it a reality a couple of years ago. Nowadays, I have a bit of a different uh, goal in mind. So after spending 15 years in the corporate world and doing marketing, I actually shifted my focus. So about a year ago, I left my full-time job to become a career coach. And now my goal is, and once again, it's a 10-year goal. I'm not expecting to achieve it tomorrow. But my goal is to impact the lives of a million people. And I want to help more people enjoy their nine-to-five, build a successful career, and do something that they love. Because we spend almost a third of our lives at work, 90,000 hours. The only other thing we spend so much time on is sleep. Mm. And unfortunately, so many people are miserable during this time. They only live for the weekend and they try to avoid the the biggest part of their lives. And I want to change that. I want to show people that you can grow and learn and enjoy this time and make the most out of it.
0: And clearly, the last few years have changed people's probably perceptions or understanding about what work can be. And certainly, our relationship with work's changed, even if it's geographic location. But for many people, it's also time and flexibility have come into it. When you think about impacting people's careers, how do you define that?
1: I think the biggest thing I would like to do for people. Is is to help them make a mindset shift. And I think we were all told that we have two options when it comes to our career. And if you look at LinkedIn and the internet, they're going to support this assumption. You either work a nine to five, you're going to be miserable, you work for someone else, uh, you don't have freedom, you have to follow orders, or you can become an entrepreneur, you build your own thing, you can do whatever you want, and you can potentially make millions. I believe there's a third option. I believe you can be somewhere in the middle where you do work a corporate job, but you act like an entrepreneur. You think like an entrepreneur and you manage your own career like you are the CEO of a one-person company. And most people don't have that perspective. They assume they're just a tiny, small cog in a massive machine and they act accordingly. They say yes to everything, they um, follow orders, they keep their head down, they wait for their turn, and they think that's going to make them happy. They think that's going to give them the results they want. It's going to get them promoted, but it rarely does because it's just not how the workforce works. And we've all been conditioned from a very young age to think that we need to follow orders, right? First, it's your parents, and then you go to school, you go to college. As long as you, you know, follow orders to a T, you're going to get the reward. But that's actually not how it works when you have a job. You have a lot more leeway to figure out what you want and make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's not about luck, it's not about, you know, kissing up to your manager, and it's not necessarily about following orders. It's about creating your own opportunities and building the career that you want. And I think most people don't realize they can do that. They just assume it's impossible. So if there's one thing I can change, I want to change that. I want to make sure that every single person understands that they have agency over their career, that they are the CEO of a one-person company, and they can build the career of their dreams if they just decide and then take action.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's such an important mindset shift. And clearly, it's not something you can just you know, fl- click your fingers and, and it appears. It's, it's, it must be a process. So assuming that somebody buys into this idea, what would your next step be for them? How would you approach this process with a client that you work with? And so saying, look, I want to take control over my career. But where do I practically take the first step into doing it?
1: Yeah, I think the easiest way is to show, not just tell. So I can talk and talk and I can give them all the mantras and, you know, maybe some inspiration. But the shift has to happen internally. You can't force anyone to actually believe it. So, yes, I would definitely start with giving them all of the information. But the best way is to let people experience it themselves. And what that means is finding really small wins allowing them to start applying an entrepreneur mindset. So maybe taking action towards something they really wanted and showing them what happens when you do that. And with a lot of my clients, that's getting promoted. It's something that they really want to do. They, they've they been working so hard that they did everything that they were supposed to do and still they're not getting ahead. And then doing something as simple as, asking for the promotion, actually having the conversation, making a case for yourself can change everything. And when you do that once, when you actually take action and you see the result, I think that's where the little light bulb uh, you know, turns on and you realize, oh, wait, I can actually do that. And if I can do that, what else can I do? Yeah. So I, I usually work with people to actually do something that will demonstrate that they're capable.
0: Great. And you highlighted one mistake there that people often make, particularly when it comes to getting promoted and being recognized for their contribution within the business they're working with. And the first mistake being not actually asking. Sometimes you have to ask in order to get, I mean, what other mistakes do some make and miss out on the career development? Because I I bet there's a lot of people listening who think, Oh, I can always see some of my colleagues and I know I'm as good as them. I'm probably, I'm better at them in the job, but why do they keep getting the opportunities for promotion? What typically characterizes the difference between those who do progress more naturally and those who struggle a bit more to get the recognition they deserve?
1: Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, sticking to your job description, And I think people assume if I was hired to do a job, I just need to do my job well and I'll get promoted. But in order to level up, you need to grow your skills and experiences. You actually need to do more. That's why there's a difference between where you are and the next level. So unless you demonstrate that you're capable of doing that, how would people know? They will need to have blind faith in you. And unfortunately, that's not very common. So in order for you to demonstrate you're ready, you need to do next level work. That means not just doing your day-to-day, but finding opportunities to do more, to stretch yourself, to actually take some responsibilities that someone one level ahead of you would actually do. And a lot of people get really intimidated because they immediately assume, oh, I'm going to have to work 24-7. I'm not going to get paid for that. Why, why should I actually do that for someone else? And the reason is you're doing it for yourself. So first and foremost, when you take more responsibilities, you can actually start delegating some of the other things that you have on your plate. You can also prioritize. Very often, about 20% of what people have on their to-do list is not necessary. You can very easily eliminate it and no one will ever know. The reason I know it is because I have done it over and over again and it always works. So eliminating some things off your to-do list, but also stretching yourself towards the right goals. And that doesn't mean saying yes to everything. That means being strategic and finding projects that will actually allow you to gain the skills that you need. So I think that is one problem. Never stepping out of your job description. We talked about not asking, which is very important. Managers don't read minds. Sometimes they just don't know this is what you're after. And it's really important to get them involved early because your manager can create opportunities for you that you're not aware of because they have access to different information and resources. Another thing that people do is they don't advocate for themselves. They assume their work will speak for itself. And I was guilty of that for a really long time because it felt so sleazy to kind of go, me, 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 look at me. But actually, that's not how you advocate for yourself. There are much better ways. And one of the things that I teach people to do is called invisible PR. So how do you advocate for yourself without screaming from the rooftops? And it's actually really simple. All you need to do is stop working in silo and start working in collaboration. You just need to find the right collaborator. So if you know who your most important stakeholder is, the person who would be in the room when you need to get... Promoted, then you figure out how to bring them into your projects. They can be an advisor. You can get some feedback from them when you put together a strategy. But once they're involved, they now have a stake in your success. They they now care when you want to update them on progress. They care when you share a project summary and they become part of the process. And immediately, they also know who you are, what you do. And they feel respect because you took their advice, you invited them in, and you gave them an opportunity to help you. And I think doing something as simple as that can give you the visibility you need without feeling, you know, too salesy and having to put yourself front and center. Mm-hmm. So I would say those are some of the biggest uh, challenges that people have when it comes to getting promoted.
0: Right. Love that phrase, invisible PR. That's nice. I like it. (laughs) How would you go about doing that when you aren't sat next to somebody or you can't build those relationships over a coffee during a break, going for lunch with somebody? You know, how might you do that through the mediums that we've got now to communicate with our colleagues and our workmates?
1: So I think first and foremost, you just need to be a lot more intentional. So you could have, you know, very uh, serendipitous occasions when you work in an office, right? You just meet someone in the kitchen, you chit-chat about the day. So it's a little bit harder to do remotely. So be intentional about it. And you need to be intentional about two things. You need to be intentional about building a real relationship. So getting to know the person, not just, you know, working together. So maybe taking time uh, to have like a an agenda-free coffee chat once a quarter. Uh, I actually did that with some of my previous employees and it was so helpful in getting to know them as people, who they really are, what they care about. So being intentional and putting something like that on the calendar. And I think the other thing is over communicating. And I know that scares people when I say that because they immediately assume that's a lot of work. But here's a really, really simple tip. Ask whether it's your manager or the stakeholder that you're trying to build a relationship with, ask them, how do you want to get updates? Do you want me to send an email? Do you need a presentation? Do you want me to select you? Do you prefer text? Just ask them what they want and then make sure that you deliver the updates in the way that is easiest for them to consume. And what's going to happen is, when they're going to be more inclined to read it because you're sending it in a way they actually want to receive it. And two, you actually uh, took the time to figure out what they need. So your updates are not going to go into, um, into a random inbox. They're actually going straight to the people who need to read them. Yeah. And establishing a cadence is really important as well. Ask your manager, how often do you want me to update you? Do you want like a weekly update? Is a monthly enough? Make sure that you're giving them what they need but also make sure that you're getting the visibility that you deserve. So I think it's just about being a little bit more intentional and putting all of these things on your calendar to make sure that you don't miss out.
0: 100%. And you've touched on in that answer, but also a bit earlier, about this really important point, which is, Not only do you, through asking, understand how frequently and in what format people want to see stuff, but that's your opportunity to showcase. The, many of the things which they might not have picked up on, you know, you're every day when we've all got our heads down and we're delivering value and little moments emerge, you know, maybe you get thanks from a client or a colleague says, look, that was an amazing new job that you did in that presentation. Well, they're saying that to you. And whilst it'd be great if that colleague passed on to your boss, oh, by the way, Maya did a cracking job on that presentation. She's really improving. Let's not assume that that's happening. And this is a great opportunity to sort of build up this portfolio of your best bits and and present it in a format to the people who matter. Yeah.
1: And and when I say be intentional, <laughs> I'm a very organized and pragmatic person. So mm-hmm. I already mentioned, I either put everything on my calendar or I have a spreadsheet. And I have a spreadsheet for managing relationships. Uh, okay. It's actually, yeah, it's it's a stakeholder CRM. And it's what I give my my students as well. Because it's so hard when you're in the day-to-day, when you're doing the work, it's so hard to remember those things. But you have to remember that people are the most important resource that you're going to have at work. People are going to make a decision about whether or not you will get promoted or get a raise. People uh, and the network that you build, that's how you're going to get your next job and the job after that and the job after that. So people are important. And for about half of my career, I ignored that. I completely ignored it. I just thought I'm going to work harder than anyone else, and that's going to get me ahead. And it works very early in your career. When you're an IC especially, you can get away with that. But once you want to level up, when you want to become a manager, when you want to become an executive, you need people. That's the most important resource, so you really have to invest in it. All
0: right. By the way, I love a spreadsheet as well. In fact, my last business, they for my Christmas, uh, Secret Santa bought me one of those massive mugs with I love spreadsheets on. So I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it's many of these things we learn as we go through our career, and you touched on it there, but people talk about peak performance as though it's just something you can switch on. But I think there's a a lot of this stuff you just learn through experience. But of course, in your role as a coach now, perhaps you can also steer people towards understanding what peak performance means to them. And, you know, for me, in order to perform at your best, it isn't just about, as you said, working harder. It's also about prioritizing. It's also about ensuring that you've got the time. And obviously, there's other factors like health and well-being. You know, how do you think about peak performance?
1: So early in my career, as I mentioned, I just thought I need to outwork everyone and I will win. And I did that for a couple of years until something happened. And at the time I was working full time and I was taking night classes, doing my bachelor's and I was driving to school that day and I fell asleep on the wheel for a split second. But I was so exhausted that I just lost control. And that was a wake up moment for me. That's when I realized you can't keep doing that. It's not sustainable. There must be a better way. And that was the first time that I started looking into personal development and peak performance and what does it actually mean to be at your best. And initially I thought, oh, it just means that you're, you know, going 100 miles an hour all the time. That's not what it means. It's actually about making sure that you get rest. It's actually about making sure that you have boundaries. It's about doing your best job in specific periods of time and then recharging so that you can do it again and again. And there are a lot of different ways to look at peak performance. But for me, when it comes to my career, there are a couple of things that have really helped me. First and foremost, scheduling breaks. This is the Biggest thing that I've I've done for myself and for my career. And for years I didn't have it. I would work from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m., not even get my butt off the chair. That's not sustainable. So scheduling breaks to give your brain a little bit um, of a recharge throughout the day. Setting boundaries at work. When I say that, people automatically assume that it's a bad thing. And you know, your manager is gonna get upset if you say no. Setting boundaries is about asking for what you need to do your best work. And maybe that means that you don't take meetings before 10 or 11 a.m. because you do your best work in the morning. And maybe it means that you ask for a specific way of communication. Uh, With my previous team, we had a very specific cadence for communication. If you need me urgently, Use Slack, but it has to be urgent because I will get back to you within an hour. If you need me to review something, if this is uh, work that will require more than 20 or 30 minutes of my time, send it by email and make sure that you have a due date in the headline so I know exactly what I need to work on and we don't miss anything. If you need me over the weekend, no matter what happens, call me or text me because that's how I'm going to be available. And those are boundaries. This is how I want to work and how I would show up as my best self for other people. So setting boundaries is so, so important. And lastly, taking care of your body and your mind. And yes, how you operate physically actually impacts what you do at work and how you operate mentally. So it's so important. And for the majority of my 20s, I was a couch potato. I did not do any physical activities, nothing at all. But luckily, in my 30s, I got smarter. I also met my husband, who was a gym rat. He would go to the gym five times a week when I did nothing. And I started feeling bad about it. So I figured, okay, I can, you know, I'll take a walk here and there. And slowly, um, I figured out what works for me. And I started working out and it had such a massive impact on my ability to think, to concentrate, to feel good, to kind of go through the day and not have that 4 p.m. slump. And it just changed everything. So I try to make sure that I work out a couple of times a week now and I spend time getting information into my head because the quality of what you produce relies on the quality of what you put in your head. So I try to read books. I keep myself up to date with things that matter to me. But I also take time to relax and watch TV and not feel guilty about it. Um, So that's kind of my version of peak performance.
0: I I share all of those sentiments. And actually, I think probably been through that similar journey to you not just in terms of working really hard but also it's the combination of working really hard and then just sort of living this sort of sedentary lifestyle in your personal life which is the worst combination you know it's all being busy all day and then being so tired you don't do anything at all um so i'm with you it makes a huge difference if you can do that and i think it's It's obviously up to us to take responsibility for that, but it's also up to managers and leaders to enable people to be able to work in that way. I think generally COVID has kind of helped that, although you see, unfortunately, signs that some businesses are reverting back to the all or nothing type approach so look, fingers crossed we learned some lessons there because burnout rates are increasing again and uh, we need to keep a close eye on it how do you think about the relationship between your work and your personal life because as you said you've you know been a very successful high achiever you've now set up your own business and the temptation when it's your own business is to find every moment you can to work on and eke out every second, because you can see the direct result. It's something you're building for your future. So I suppose, you know, in that intentional outlook that you take to your career, is that how you also think about that work and personal life? What comes to mind when you really think about that relationship?
1: Yeah, I would say I probably have a bit of a different approach. I don't believe in work-life balance, just because the word balance itself means it's one or the other. And I actually think it's more of a synergy because my personal life, when I'm doing well uh, in my um, personal life with my family, with my friends, I actually operate much better in my business and at work. And when I'm excited and energized at work, I have a much better time in my personal life. So I think in different times in our lives, we are going to have um, different requirements of what we want to do more of, what we want to do less of. I think it's very personal. I think it changes over time. I've had times where my family came first because there was something going on or because I needed more of that time. And I had much stricter boundaries about how I spent my time. And I do have times where work comes first. And if I really want to do something, and if I feel like working on a Sunday, I would do that. Um, and I try not to feel guilty about it because, um, as I mentioned before, I do try to schedule breaks and to make sure that I have time to recharge, but there are times where, yeah, I'll work straight through the weekend, but then I'll take Monday off or Tuesday off. So I, I just kind of follow my own instinct of what makes me feel good in the moment, but I try to be, um, aware of what my body actually needs, because my mind I can go forever, but I try to listen to my body and make sure that I have the rest that I need. Uh, but yeah, I guess I would call it more of a synergy rather than a balance for me.
0: I completely agree. In fact, I've just written my first book, which is being published in January, and part one of the key ideas in it is that I think work-life balance. Is a myth. And actually, in some cases, it can be detrimental because people are chasing this idea that they need to trade off the two against one another. And I'm exactly the same as you. I'm far better at home and with my friends and my family when work's good. And I'm far better at work when my family life's good. Not to say that that's always the case. You know, you have ups and downs, don't you? I spoke to Dorry Clark. The other day and i think she describes it as waves you kind of live in these lives in waves and you know there are periods where you are busy and you have to divert your attention into some aspects of your work or life more than others and that's okay and likewise for you know same with you i work so i work at the weekend sometimes but frankly there are some weekdays where I'm not very productive and I'd rather, you know, recognize that. And maybe during those days where I'm not being my most creative, I'm just going to do some exercise instead. And I don't feel guilty about that because I find time at other point period. So I think it's, I think that's an important observation to people that you don't have to, find this perfect balance between work and life it's sort of this ever-evolving synergy I like, I like that idea um, I describe it as a flywheel like the work life flywheel is the name, name of the book but it's the same principle that the two feed into one another last question for you Maya I I'll go back to something you mentioned right at the beginning with your Sunday um, your date with yourself on a Sunday, and I really like this idea and one thing you mentioned there is tracking progress um, and I'm sure you know you're you're a career coach you must see this all the time that people sometimes don't realize the progress they're making being constantly looking forward you don't necessarily see um, how far you've come Uh, I mean outside of that Sunday half an hour how do you track your progress you know when at the end of this year your first year running your own business how are you going to look back upon that and recognize the progress you've made and as I think you said earlier on celebrate the many wins I'm sure you've had along the way
1: Yeah. So when I think about career development as a whole, it's a process and it starts with deciding what your goal is, getting very specific about it and understanding the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. And then you're going to break down everything that you need to do step-by-step to get there. And I teach people how to take really big goals and break them down into tiny, tiny action items. So simple that you can complete them in one hour. And they're so clear that even if you give them to someone else, even if you show them to your grandma, she'll know what to do. Mm. But in order to keep track of that, you need to put it somewhere. So I actually have a tracker where I will have all of my different action items And every week when I do my one-on-one, I choose one or two of those and I plug them into my calendar. So every time I complete a task, I actually go back to the tracker and I mark it as complete. And I actually have it turn into green, like a green cell. And it gives me a little hit of dopamine of like, damn, I did this. This is awesome. And the more green you see on your tracker, the more you understand how far you've come. So you actually do two things here. You encourage yourself to keep going by tracking your progress, but you also have a track record of everything. So now if you want to update your resume, if you want to apply for a promotion, you actually have a checklist of everything that you were able to achieve. And I got um, the idea on how to do that when I was at Google because they had something that they called internally the Google resume. And it wasn't actually a resume. It was a tracker of every project, every stakeholder, so that it's very clear what you were able to accomplish that year. So when it was time for performance review... They already had the document ready. They had everything in place. And I loved it so much that I adopted it into uh, my career. It's what I teach people to, how to do and I actually do it for myself. So I do have a tracker for myself on everything that I've accomplished this year. And we are speaking in November. So this is the perfect time to look back, review the year, figure out what worked really well, what might needs improving and make a plan for next year.
0: Well, thanks so much for your time. I follow you on LinkedIn, really amazing content on there. And um, I think the way you're approaching it, so it makes so much sense. And I love that advice, just breaking things down into small chunks. I mean, it's the only manageable way to get started, isn't it? And I think often, as you mentioned at the beginning, getting started is the key thing. I think some that ambition you had of becoming a CMO of a Silicon Valley company, that seemed like a far off dream, but you, know, you broke it down into manageable chunks. And it's amazing amazing achievement so congratulations and is there anything else you want to leave us with before we wrap up
1: yeah just a reminder that you deserve to have a career and life that you love you don't have to compromise you don't have to choose one over the other and you're the only person who can make it happen so I just want people to remember and to realize that they have the power to build a career that they love and they deserve it
0: brilliant Thanks again for your time, Maya. Thank you.